Hello, I'm Monsignor Jim Lasanti. Today on Personally Speaking, we'll be replaying an interview that I did with the great film director Frank Capra many years ago. The legendary film director Frank Capra was awarded the Life Achievement Award of the American Film Institute. He has a great story to tell, and we'll talk about it today on Personally Speaking. Please stay with us. Monsignor Jim Lasanti, you're listening to Personally Speaking. I was happy in one of my earliest interviews as an interviewer to interview the film director Frank Capra. You're going to hear that interview today. Frank Capra was an immigrant from Italy. Mr. Capra never lost the common touch. He rose from abject poverty to become one of this country's most beloved filmmakers. He was the screen's foremost champion of the average American. He had uh, an incredible trust in our people. He won the Academy Award for Best Director three times for It Happened One Night with Clark Gable and Claudette Colbert, Mr. Deeds Goes to Town with Gary Cooper and Gene Arthur, and You Can't Take It With You with Jimmy Stewart and Lionel Barrymore. Frank Capra also directed other film classics, including Lost Horizon, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, Meet John Doe, Arsenic and Old Lace, State of the Union, A Hole in the Head, Pocketful of Miracles, and my own personal favorite and the favorite of many Americans around the world, actually, the Christmas favorite, It's a Wonderful Life. Frank Capra was a, a long-term practicing Catholic. He lived in La Quinta, California, and this interview I conducted with him at his home near Palm Springs. It talks about his lifelong journey of faith. Let's listen now to the interview between me and the incredible film director, Frank Capra. Mr. Capper, would you tell me what you remember of growing up Catholic? Well, I was born and baptized in Sicily. Our church and village were up in the mountains. In fact, our church was carved right into the side of a mountain. I left Sicily with my family when I was six, and I really don't remember much of the Sicily years. I do remember that we had to go to the city of Palermo to leave for America. It was my first time in a big city, and I remember looking out at the sea. It, it seemed uh, unbelievably big. It was a spread of water that never seemed to end. Oh, it amazed me. I'll never forget that, but the years before Palermo, well, uh, they're not so clear. I received my baptism and first communion in Sicily. Was your family, Frank, involved in the parish church there? Oh, yes. My father had four brothers, and they couldn't read or write, but, uh, oh, could they sing. They were our parish church choir, and they were the whole choir. In fact, <laughs> they liked it that way. They kept others out. <laughs> they wanted it to be just family. And without any training, they sang in perfect harmony. Bach and all the greats. Frank, do you sing too? Oh, do I sing. <laughs> do my sing to you <laughs> in the morning and night. <laughs> well, oh, I love music. The violin can, uh, well, he can make me cry. 
Mr. Capra, tell me about the faith of your family. Well, everyone was raised Catholic. My family had a strong faith. My mother, for example, never believed in doctors. But about her God, well, she had no doubts at all. So please tell me more about your mother. Oh, I'd love to. Well, she gave birth to 14 children. Wow. She was a strong-willed woman. She did not believe in doctors. And she did not believe in weak children. No, no, no. When a baby was born, the child was placed on a table and left there for 24 hours. If it lived, fine. Then it was strong enough. If not, well, seven of her children lived, seven died. She felt that in a desperately poor family like ours, everyone had to pull their own weight. A weak child would be a great burden on the rest of the family. And that was, um, well, she felt not fair. I know that today that sounds just awful. But she believed that she was leaving it in God's hands. I was the second from the last child. None of the others are still living. I'm... I'm the last. Did you know, Frank, that your birthday is the same birthday as Pope John Paul II's? Well, then I'm in good company. How old is he, anyway? He's 64. Why, he's just a kid. Tell, tell me, Frank, what did being Catholic mean for your family? Well, we are all very definitely raised in a Catholic way. We went to Mass as a family, always. We believed, without question, at least in our early years, we accepted the teachings of the Church. Everyone in our family lived and died in the Catholic Church. The Church was always there for us. I'll give you an example. My oldest brother was the first to come to America. In fact, he ran away to get there. <laughs> he lost touch with the family, being unable to read or write. Finally, he met someone who told him he should let us know he was alive. That man knew how to write, so he drafted the letter to my family. But, of course, no one in my family could read. So we went to our local parish priest to tell us what this letter said. He gave us the news that our brother was all right, and that letter also invited us to join him in America. So, you see, the priest helped us. So, you see, the priest helped us in more ways than just the spiritual. He was an advisor and friend. Please tell me about your move to America and the role of the church played in that undertaking, Frank. Well, we moved right out to Los Angeles. There were many immigrant groupings out west. Many of these groupings clustered around the parish churches. They were the heart of the neighborhood. And uh, we were, like many other immigrants, grateful to the church for its help in getting us uh, settled in our new home. Oh, I remember that everyone in my family had to work very hard to make it. We went to Mass, of course, uh, still in uh, Latin back then. Frank, many people in the church, especially as they move through their teenage and young, young adult years, 
they drift away from active participation in the life of the church. Did you go through such a period? Oh, yes. I went through all that. Uh, well, I tell you, let me tell you. I tell you. Um, well, let me tell you about me and my family. Nobody in my family wanted an education except me. I was a loner in the family. They would say, forget about schooling, just go to work. <laughs> they laughed at me for wanting an education. But I went to school and to work as well. From the time I was six years old, it was school, work, school, work, school, <laughs> work. Oh, they laughed at me and called me a fool. Of course, I always gave my money from work to support the family. Mm. I sold newspapers. I guess, uh, well, I've been on the move my whole life. I got no help from anyone. They just did not value school or education. When did you begin to have your own questions about the church, Frank? Well, we always had to go to Mass. Uh, it was expected. My mother, in fact, went to Mass every day. We also had to go to confession regularly. And that's what got me thinking and questioning. I remember I had a job working at a fancy club in Los Angeles. Uh, people in this club were very rich. Chauffeurs, limos, big cigars, <laughs> the works. And these people, with all their wealth and power... They never went to confession or mass. Mm. And on the other hand, uh, here's my mother and people like her. They were so poor. They worked so hard. And they never got ahead. They were at mass and confession every week. And somehow, uh, through all this, I got the impression that to be Catholic was to be and stay poor forever. And I wanted to be a success. I stopped seeing how a priest or church could help me succeed. So the church started to become meaningless for me. I wanted what those wealthy people had. And the church didn't seem to have anything to do with their lives. Oh, uh, and I did continue to go to church and uh, confession sometimes, uh, but only when my mother dragged me by the <laughs> ear. <laughs> oh, but I remember being angry when I went, especially to confession. I'm not bad, I would reason. What the hell am I doing here? <laughs> so you see, Jim, for me, the church represented remaining absolutely poor. It was the church of poor immigrants. Mm -hmm. The rich weren't churchgoers. I wanted success, so I stopped going. <laughs> Pretty silly of me, no? Yeah. And Frank, what was your life like during those young adult years? Well, I was often lonely. I worked night and day. I attended Caltech. Oh, I loved school, but had time for little else. I rarely went to church. But sometimes, uh, well, especially at uh, Christmas and other holidays, I was pulled by something to go to church. I would leave the campus and seek out a Catholic church. I had a girlfriend back then. <laughs> oh, yes, I remember that she took me to my first non-Catholic service. Oh, 
It was not like going to church for me. It was a joke by comparison to what I knew, what I considered church to be. It was without meaning. By contrast, when I would get myself to a Catholic church for Mass, something would happen to me. Yes, something would happen to me. That something centered around the Eucharist, around communion. It had a physical and mental and emotional effect on me when I'd receive. No other experience of other churches had anywhere near the same effect. In Los Angeles, I went back then. Catholics were a real minority. So there were lots of other churches around to choose from, but no other church was ever right for me. No other experience of faith ever penetrated me like Catholicism. Frank, please explain that experience to us a little further. Well, there was just what I'd call moments of silence. In the Catholic Church, that left me alone to experience God's grace. I've never had that experience anywhere but in our church. I continued to receive communion whenever I went to church. It always maintained great meaning for me. Frank, did the doubts about your involvement with the church ever completely disappear? No, 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 not really. I've always found my battles with the church. I've been strongly for it and against it. Even in my old age, I have times when I doubt. But damn, it's the only church that ever made me stop and think. It's the only church that ever gave me those experiences of grace. The words and teachings of our church have great meaning for me. It's like love. It's... It's a sometimes stormy relationship, but I would never want to live without that love. Frank, during the past year, you lost the person I know that you love more than anyone in your life, your dear wife, Lucille. You were married to her for over 50 years. Tell me about your shared faith life. Well, Lou had no real religious background when I met her. She was from a Protestant family. We got married in New York, a civil ceremony. Well, about ten years after we got married, Lucille came up to me and said, Let's get married. I said, We are married, don't you remember? And we have children to prove it. So Lucille told me she meant that we should get married in the Catholic Church. I thought she was crazy. I I, I told her that uh, there were too many things we'd have to do to get married in the church. She said she had already been to see a father at the church and everything was set. I asked her again, Are you serious, Lou? She said, Yes. So? (laughs) I said, Okay. We went to church. Lou, me, the kids. And we got married in the Catholic Church. (laughs) The kids laughed. Imagine being able to attend your parents' wedding. (laughs) Lou and the children became Catholics at that time. Frank, why do you think Lucille did all that? You know, I don't know. 
except that maybe she saw it was really important to me. But I never made a fuss about my religion. I never pressured anyone to believe. I went to Mass quietly. At Christmas and during the holidays, I went by myself. Lou really became a Catholic freely. You can't force that on people. She found her own way. So it meant something special for her. It was her choice. Our children are today all devout Catholics. And so are their children. And it all started with Lucille, the non-Catholic. Mr. Capra, you had a, a young son who died in the late 1930s. Would you describe that experience for me? My son's name was John. He was three years old, and we knew, even when he was a baby, that he was unlike the other two. He did not start talking until he was three, and as he grew, we knew something was wrong. We lived at the time in Malibu, and we could not get John out of the water. He was like a fish, mm. but when he was in the water, he would often hit his head. We had to stop him from doing that and other things that would hurt him. There came a time when we were having a great showing of one of my films. There would be, oh, a thousand men at this grand presentation of my film. On the same day as the showing, I left our home in Malibu with my wife, our nurse, and John. We were taking John to the doctor so that he would have his tonsils out. The hospital was just three miles from the studio screening. I left John and my wife at the elevator at the hospital. My wife said, Good luck with the picture today. Then they went upstairs, and I went to my car, sailing back to the studio. I was in very high spirits. I saw signs proclaiming, Another great Frank Capra film at the studio. But at the gate, the guard said, Wait just a minute, Mr. Capra. They want you back at the hospital. I said to him, I, I was just there. And he said, But they need you back. I went back to the hospital. And there was my wife, Lou, who said simply, He's gone. I saw him there looking completely white and was told that he had a serious tumor in the brain all along. That is why he was so different. We just didn't understand. It was no simple operation that day. He died. I had to go back then to the studio for the celebration of the film. I had to celebrate knowing that I would then go home to bury my son. It was a strange time. Success and tragedy side by side. Frank, you obviously loved John, and he died, seemingly for no reason. How did that affect your faith life, and were you ever angry with God over the death of this three-year-old son? I never accused God. I just thought how stupid of us not to see how sick John really was. 
We always knew there was something wrong, but we were too stupid to do something early on. It was the tumor that made him stay in the water so long. It was the tumor that made him hit his head against the rocks. Even looking at a picture of him now, you can see from his face that he was in pain. I blamed us, not God. And, Frank, what do you believe happened to John then? John is in heaven. He certainly suffered so much on earth that God would have to do good for him now. Frank, how did you explain John's death to your other children? It was very hard. There is just no way they could figure it out. They did not really know what happened. It was their first encounter with death. They were stunned completely, but they were children, and they grew past it. My wife, Lou, took it much better than I did. She said it was God's will, whereas I felt, but what on earth could this kid have done to deserve such terrible pain? I took it very hard. Did you blame yourself for his death? No, 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 no. But I blame myself for my stupidity. I accused myself of just not seeing the obvious. I know now that Lou and John are together in heaven. And between them and God, they are all experiencing lots of love. Mr. Capra, your life is a big American success story. You did well financially, and you have a legendary reputation. Is it possible to be a good Catholic and a success in the ways of the world? I guess I am more religious than I know or want to admit, but my belief in God and my success in films have been closely related. You're the only one I've told this to, but God is a part of all I did. Before I filmed every scene, I would say um, a silent prayer. God, help these actors. Or, God, help me do this scene right. For me, it was always work, work, work. I couldn't do it constantly without someone's help. Some of why we succeed is because of drive or ego. But there cannot be real success without a lack of fear. Fear stops us all. We worry that, well, we worry what will others think. We worry, will this succeed? I never had that fear. I always believed I was special and that God made me special. So you think life is special, it's sacred, and God plays a big role in your life? Oh, yes. I suffered. I suffered. I took many a spill in the mud. I walked often in the dark, scared of death. I did not have to do it, but I had this drive, yes, drive, this courage from the very beginning. And I guess the source of that courage had to be confidence in God. Frank, the business of the movies is perceived to be very cutthroat. Oh, is it ever. Can men of principle survive, or does the money and the business and the power corrupt? I was never interested in business or money. I did want to be comfortable, and I wanted my family to be provided for. But I did not care 
about money. Money never held great interest to me. I wanted the freedom to create in my own way. If I had been willing to forfeit my freedom, I could have had much more money. Money bores me. Oh, it could never be at the center of my life. Mr. Capra, you never filmed a particular church in your movies. Is there a reason for this? I could not deal with a particular church. I did not want to ever use or refer to a particular church. I thought that required the setting of one faith over another. I love all people, all religions. I wanted to make stories about the common man. I kept away from greats. I wanted to stay with the common man and make others understand. You know, I, I filmed the little man, <laughs> yes, the man like us all. I liked people as people, and religion can sometimes separate people. I also did not understand the subject matter of religion enough to talk about it well on film. No, no. But I knew people among the lower classes very well because that is where I come from. Them. I filmed. In your film, It's a Wonderful Life, the hero, George Bailey, in a moment of desperation, prays to God. He asks God for help. Frank, how do you pray to God? Well, Jim, that is a good question. I think all of us pray for the same things. George Bailey probably avoided going to church, like many people. <laughs> I could see where George Bailey, who normally probably did not go to church and did everything he could to keep from going to church, came like we all do to that moment of truth when we got it in a jam. And he said, God, help me. Lord, show me the way. What we see in that scene is George taking his belief in God and dying to himself. I guess I am... <laughs> I guess I am a lot like George Bailey. Thanks, Mr. Capra. I'd like to thank not only Frank Capra for giving us that interview many years ago, but also today to the incredible actor who read the part of Frank Capra in today's interview. We're talking about the actor Bob Caliban. Bob has performed on hundreds of on-camera and voiceover spots. On camera, he was Cookie Man for Chips Ahoy Cookies, and he was the Tidy Bowl Man for many years. He also has appeared in a number of films and television shows, and also having a wonderfully successful show business career for over 50 years on Broadway. Uh, Bob is a practicing Catholic. He has a wonderful family, and I asked him to volunteer to be the voice of Frank Capra today, and he did a wonderful job bringing to life the great and wonderful director, Frank Capra. I thank Bob Caliban and Frank Capra and you, my friends, for listening to Personally Speaking. As we end today's program, I want to thank you all for being with us. If you have any questions or comments about the show, you can send them to me through my website, which is MonsignorLasanti.org, or to listen to past Personally Speaking episodes, just go to www.CloseEncounterTV.com, all one word, www.CloseEncounterTV.com, and click on the radio button at the top of the page. Please be sure to visit the site and encourage others to do so as well. I'm privileged to serve as host and executive producer, Personally Speaking. 
Our producer is Lisa Jandovitz. Our engineer is Rocco Vitolo. And our audio facility is Creative Media Design in New York City. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be with you again next time on Personally Speaking. <laughs>